A man in a white lab coat paused to catch his breath after four flights of stairs. His panting finally slowed and he peered around the corner. The hallway was empty. He entered room 412 and found Mr. Campbell sleeping soundly. At Mr. Campbell's bedside, the man reached into his lab coat, pulled out a syringe, and injected its contents directly into the IV port. As he slipped out of the room, the patient's monitor beeped loudly. When the panting man stepped into the stairwell, he heard the code blue alert. His mission was successful. Eagle's Nest members agreed to make themselves available the next evening. In the formative days, their meetings had been more frequent, but now the processes had stabilized. The ability to monitor even a few of the computers in the agencies of interest had been a great accomplishment. As Liz and I walked out of his office, my mind was busy, focused on the information from the meeting with Mr. G. The myriad of plans we needed to make over the next few days seemed overwhelming. I'll be happy to answer your questions, Liz said when we got to my door. I can also provide details on the fringe benefits of life at the Enclave. Do you have time for some questions now? I asked. Sure, she said. She made coffee as I settled on the sofa, hardly knowing where to begin with questions. Liz brought the coffee and mugs on a tray. She slipped out of her shoes, sat on the sofa, and started going through the details of what was next, if I decided to accept the offer. StarTech will arrange for a relocation consultant to handle all the details of your move. Nice, I said as I filled our cups. I knocked on the door, and Maggie answered. Jason, what a pleasant surprise. Come in. Her hug was exuberant. Frank just arrived, and you're just in time for breakfast. How can I resist your breakfast? Hey, Frank, good to see you, I said, shaking hands and joining him at the table. Maggie went into the kitchen while I talked with Frank. How much do you know about my week at the Enclave? I asked in a hushed voice. He leaned toward me. Mr. G has kept me well informed. He told me this morning you accepted the offer. I nodded. You made a good decision. Maggie began bringing food to the table. How much have you told Maggie? I asked when she returned to the kitchen. As I expected, Frank shook his head. It's not my place to share your good news. Three levels below ground, the parking garage was empty. Jared Greeley parked in Section C-4 as instructed. He turned off the headlights and waited in the dark. Five minutes later, the back door opened and closed. Good evening, Jared. Thank you for meeting me. My pleasure, sir. I need focus on midnight. Do you have a mole in place there? Yes. He's on staff and now has full access, Jared answered. I can't tolerate any intrusion in that agency lab right now. Our mole needs to make sure nothing invades any of the computers there. I want to know if he detects anything unusual. Yes, sir. Is he the one who has his own axe to grind? He's the one. Do you trust him? Yes, he'll do as I tell him. I placed him in the perfect position to carry out his own personal vendetta. He won't cross me for fear of losing his job. Keep it that way. The back door opened and closed. The man was gone. Vincent jerked and awoke from his recurring dream. He had fallen asleep while the data in the abort file downloaded to his computer. The monitor was blinking a message that the download was complete. Vincent looked at the clock on the screen and realized he had slept for hours. The sun was edging above the horizon and night was changing today, 
After checking his directories to verify he had received all the data, Vincent deleted the files from the remote computer in the lab and severed his connection. He was sure no one else could access the computer because it had been devoted to his exclusive use. Even though he had locked it down tight, he took special precautions when it came to his personal vendetta.